Welcome to Holding Center, a podcast created to help you own and hold center stage, not only on show day, but also in your life. I'm your host, Ashley Markham, owner of Myo Strength, and joined with me is my co-host, Ashley Spoker, owner of B&B Fit. Let's hold center. Yo, Ash, what the fuck's up? What's going on? Um, Nothing, to be honest. Actually, you know, I'm going to talk about my mistake real quick here in this past week. So I was a dumbass. Um, I had really high psychological stress. I'm just laughing because it's so fucking stupid because I know better. Um, So I had like really high stress. I wasn't eating. Like I didn't hit my macros for like the whole week. Like I was like severely like really fucked up. And then I continued to train, which was stupid yeah. uh, on top of that. And my fasted glucoses were all over a hundred continued to train. Like I said, <laughs> and um, then I started having loose stools and I haven't had loose stools in months since, you know, we fixed, we fixed my gut. So, you know, I checked in with my coach. He called my ass out um, literally was like, you're a fucking dumbass. I mean, you know, in, in nicer words, but essentially that's what summed it up. Like, what are you doing? You know, better than this, but yeah, like, I just wanted to be like, have some type of normalcy because I was like pretty psychological stress with some, with some things going on in my life. So I was just like, yeah, let's just keep pushing through. And lo and behold, like I literally was like shitting my pants again. So I was like, dude, like we cannot go backwards. I just like pretty much put my Hashis in dormant, I guess you could say, I was like, yeah, I don't want to go backwards. So this week I haven't trained at all. Um, I've hit macros almost every day, except for yesterday. I ended up falling asleep early, Um, but feeling a lot better. So there is that. And then this weekend coming up, my um, significant other, Alex, he will be moving in. So that's going to be a big change for us. Um, Yeah. So after three years, we're finally making, um, I guess, a big jump to live together, which is great. I mean, he's here all the time anyway. So we might as well like, why are why are you paying a mortgage when you're never fucking there? You know? Um, cause he has his own house and naturally my house is just better. So we're going to move here so. for sure. So big <laughs> question for you though. Do you have two bathrooms? Yeah, girl. Oh my just God. Yes. Just make it yes. sure. Cause here's the deal in college, Eric moved in cause he was like slumming it with his guy friends and he was already, we were already playing house in college. And so he moved in, but we only had one bathroom. No. And there were several close calls where he like almost used the litter box because like I'm a morning shitter, he's a morning shitter and like dude, that is hard to like juggle a one bathroom situation and whenever we're looking at houses now, he'll be like, "Oh, we can do one bathroom." And I was like, "You're a dumbass motherfucker. If you think mm-hmm. that you and I can have one bathroom between the two of us when we both work from home and like you are a, you know, several time a day pooper, like sometimes three. And I'm like, no, it's just, it, we will drive a wedge between us and we will divorce. And I'm like, that is not going to happen. <laughs> um, so no. So yeah, I'm glad you have two shitters. So that way you guys have a long and healthy, happy relationship. Um, <laughs> I'm doing fairly good. <laughs> I'm doing good. Um, you know, doing as good as I can be. Growth phase is going well. New training, mesocycle is going really well. Um, Dude, you've been training off. Dude, I have been. Most of my reps have been for you. Just like... <sighs> You know, because I'm out of the gym, yeah. Because you're out of the gym, and I'm trying to like get in the gym. And dude, you want know something really funny? Dom, I'm really sorry. Dom's here and he's laughing at us. But Dom, I'm a real motherfucker, so I say things I probably shouldn't. But I've been doing vacuums on the floor, and that's really not what, how I normally do my morning vacuums. Normally, I'm like doing them like hunched over, like a dog taking a shit or just standing up. I started yeah. doing them on the floor because I heard it's easier to do it, and it is. But here's the deal: I get such a tight vacuum that full ass I queef. 
I will like straight up queef to hell because that is how tight I can get my shit. So I'm like, yo, I'm gonna start doing vacuums on the floor now because that shit's Dude. tight. No, yeah, it makes sense. So mind you guys, me and Ash talk pretty much every single day. So she sends me the video, the proof of this going on. <laughs> Has this ever happened to you? I was like, yeah, when I was really lean, it had, and I mean, like now I'm a little, little, little chunky, so it doesn't happen, but um, you can't even tell I'm vacuuming. That's how chunky I am right now. But yeah, like when you're that lean and you lay on the floor, I, yeah, I would queef all the time, like going in the, yeah, like right up into prep, dude. And then you just, I mean, I don't know. You feel accomplished. You're like, I just fucking vacuumed so hard. Like, <laughs> dude, literally like spine to like high hell. And like, it just, I, I'm glad I wasn't alone in that. Cause I was like, did I break something in my body? But no, I just, that's how tight my shit is. I just let it go. I, I'm free. But you know, Dom, have you ever queefed before? Do you know what it's like to queef during a vacuum? <laughs> no, I don't. <laughs> that's no, probably good. I do not. Oh man, but thank you so much for joining us. How the hell are you? I'm good. I'm doing well. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. Like I said before we started recording, I just listening to you and Jeff Black and Cameron Cheek shoot the shit on like kind of like contest prep Q and A's, and I love the the authenticity of talking about like quote unquote taboo topics like diuretic usage, certain drug usage in contest prep. And I really appreciate the no bullshit mentality when it comes to giving away that free education. So that way newer coaches are not misled with the safer use model and kind of doing what needs to get done to, you know, be a high caliber athlete and win. So thank you for that. Of course. It's something that I always said, like, from the beginning that I was never going <clears> to <throat> sugarcoat um, what's really going on. There's a lot of kids, there's a lot of younger athletes, a lot of younger coaches that like, at least when I was like starting, like, obviously like I sound like I'm old, but like, it, it was a, just, it was a different game. Like, you know, five, six, seven years ago where it was like really like private, like nobody talked about what they did or anything. So like nobody really knew the truth. And, um, then things started like coming out in forums. Um, I'm sure you guys are familiar with forums. And then once the forums kind of died out, then we started seeing people actually like talking about it, like on YouTube videos and stuff. And then, you know, that's when I think it's important to talk about it openly. Cause like you could probably save somebody from getting really messed up, mm -hmm. yeah. messed up. And like, you know, almost like make it a little bit undelusional for them. I like Jeff Black's uh, idea of like, I mean, would I go with it? Maybe not, but I like the, I get the idea of like your first cycle just being like blow the doors off. Cause if you don't respond to that, you're probably not going to be a good bodybuilder, like genetic drug response wise. Um, Cause that's a big part of this whole thing. Like there's some guys that I know that could take grams of gear and nothing happens and they okay. train their balls off. They work out, they eat perfectly and then nothing happens at all. <laughs> And it's like, maybe it's just ain't the sport for you. The risk probably isn't outweighing what's happening for you anymore. Yeah, I will say the thing that I regret the most is when I first started my my first cycle with my first coach that honestly we shouldn't have been doing anyway because I hadn't even got my period back post prep, even though we had like done all the reversing and all that shit. Um, we just used, you know, Anavar. And like, I wish I would have had my training right, my nutrition right, my sleep right. I wish I wouldn't have been like, you know, addicted to movement and doing 30,000 step days just because like I was addicted to exercise and so fucking disordered. So then like when we did, you know, add an Anavar, like, yeah, I got a response, but like it could have been so much fucking better had we yeah. been using like L-carnitine, growth hormone, insulin, maybe even a low dose testosterone, and then maybe even stacking Primabol and, and kind of hit it hard out of the gates. How much better 
would I have fucking looked and felt? And then also not even to mention the fact that had we got my cycle back and I had normal levels of estrogen and progesterone, how much better I would have been. But shoulda, coulda, woulda. But that's why I think it's important to have these frank conversations so other women don't make that mistake and also other guys, especially the younger population. Yeah. But with that being said, I would love to learn a little bit more about you and kind of like your, you're coming into, you know, working with Kate Jansen, you coming into a coach, like hearing more about your background in bodybuilding and then we'll kind of dive into our topic of more than one ways to skin a cat. Yeah. Um, I'm sorry. I just found out you have a cat. So I apologize for the title. It's wow. cool. It's cool. <laughs> I got two. It's fine. Um, so coaching, um, let's see. I was, I was on route to become a dentist. Um, I take my DAT. Oh. I got waitlisted at school. Um, got waitlisted, didn't get the position. And then I retook my DAT, applied again, and then um, got another interview to the same school, which was practically an acceptance at that point, because I was waitlisted the year before. Um, but at that point, I was already like kind of my mind was already made up that it wasn't what I wanted to do. Um, so I started my post back to do like to get into my master's for exercise. Um, and I declined the interview and just dropped the whole dental thing and then uh, went to post back, did my master's. And then while I was doing my master's, I was personal training. Mm -hmm. um, and then I helped a local guy. Uh, I did my first competition 2017. There's a guy backstage um, that we were just talking. And then he would ask me questions after the show, like about drugs. And then I was like, let me just finish your next prep. He was competing again, like six months later. So then we did the show and he did really well. Um, it was a pro qualifier. He ended up like taking third. And wow. then um, after that, it was kind of like this snowball of like people in Michigan that were just like, can you prep me for my next show? Right. Um, so then 2018 was like the first real year of coaching. Um, a lot of the stuff I learned was probably uh, a lot of stuff I learned was Matt Porter's forum work. He did a lot of forum work. Um, and then just watching some YouTube videos. Um, but honestly, a ton came from Matt Porter. Uh, and then I read uh, Eric Helms's books on training and nutrition, the nutrition pyramid and the training pyramid books. Those are like the probably three like fundamentals I had to start with. And then uh, obviously started with school and whatnot, but it's kind of where that's kind of where it went. Um, and then the Camp Jansen stuff, uh, it's kind of been in the talks for maybe a little bit over like eight months now. Uh, yeah. where we were going back and forth about it. I was part of a team um, prior to that. I left that team and uh, went out on my own right before nationals. Nationals went extremely well. And then um, me and Matt started talking a little bit more. Um, but like prior to that, it was already a topic of conversation. And then obviously Cameron's one of my closest friends. Jacoby and I have gotten really close. And then yeah, Matt uh, presented the opportunities, come on, kind of lead a more little bit educator role um, that, you know, I'm making some really cool stuff for Camp Jansen that'll be like education wise. So just close some gaps there. Um, I, I take care of a lot of the Instagram now. So a lot more like uh, 
like my Twitter style posts are on there. My training breakdowns are on there, right? We're trying to, we're trying to get that up and going a little bit more. So uh, yeah, I mean, it's awesome. I just, I finally feel like I'm in a circle where I belong. Um, Mm -hmm. The past team, it was, it was a good stepping stone, but I kind of outgrew it really quickly and just didn't feel like I was in a place that I really needed to be anymore. My environment was not the spot I needed to be. Now I, I really feel like I'm home, I guess you could say. Yeah, that's awesome. I love that. Yeah, congratulations on all that. You know, it's I know it's taken probably some some time and some hard work to get there. So it's cool to see like you're like, hey, like this is my home. This is where I belong. It's kind of like that sense of like I fucking made it, you know? Yeah, no, it is for sure. Um, I'm not one to dwell on stuff like that, but every once in a while I have to like remind myself like you, you've made it pretty far. <laughs> yeah. You're not, you know, you're not at the beginning stages of things anymore. Like I rarely even have like Michigan competitors anymore. So it's, it's like, it's crazy how much has changed in like five little years. <laughs> yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. I want to tell you one thing that one of you, it was like a mock Twitter post or maybe real Twitter post. I don't really know, but they're all fake. But I want you to know that this one impacted me so much. I swear to God, I want to get it like tattooed on my ass. But like, it's literally, you said, don't let a win get to your head. Don't get a loss, get to your heart. And like, that mm-hmm. is so fucking valuable, not only as a competitor, but then also as a coach when, you know, you have athletes that might leave you or you might have dry months or you might have like, you know, an athlete where you think they're doing really well. And then like something happens where you can kind of feel defeating, but like that impacted me so much where, like I said, like I have it written down just so like where I look at it on a daily basis to keep myself in check because it's so easy to ride the highs and to kind of like be in the lows when they happen. So I wanted to thank you for that because that was just fucking money. Yeah. um, I'm really big on the mental side of like coaching. Um, Maybe not so much like I'm not that into like positive self-talk and stuff like that, but I'm really into uh, just like mental fortitude. Like, you know, why is there a reason, like what mentality do you need to have to be like a top level coach? Right. Cause a coach is not just all about winning. Um, Taking care of your athletes is really important. Having a really good mindset around that kind of stuff is really important. So um, cause like, like you said in the beginning, like, I mean, dude, there was months where people would leave and then you're like, do I, am I good at this? Should I even be doing this? Like, you know, but it's all part of the, it's all part of the game and just understand. Yeah. That. Yeah. You nailed that. So I wanted to say thank you, but I want to kind of dive into our topic today about more than one way to skin a cat. And I think it's really important to have this open conversation because like there are multiple ways to get to the right answer. And I feel like with coaching, it is so easy to become closed-minded and think that your way or the highway is kind of like the 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 route, the route that most people take. And some people are very aggressive, especially on social media, to kind of like create their brand and create this presence that's usually fake about like, this is how it is and this is how it's going to be. But I feel like you are one of those coaches that are leading by example when it comes to like, yeah, we can go this way, we can go this way, or we can go that way. And it's like, which one's best? depends on the athlete. So kind of talk to us about, you know, your, your experience with, you know, taking multiple, multiple directions and how that's, you know, impacting your athletes in such a positive way. Yeah. Um, I think a lot of it comes from like, one thing I believe in big time is a coach has to be very adaptable. If a coach isn't adaptable, you're, you're missing the mark because Mm -hmm. you're one reducing the amount of people you can work with if you're not adaptable. If you can't adapt to your 
you know, methodology of how you coach, right? You're closing people that you can't work with anymore because of that. Um, and then, you know, everyone comes from different walks of life. This is why I'm really, I'm really keen on, I think some of the best personal co- or best coaches were personal trainers yeah. because they got to experience working with people in person and realize like people have real problems. People have a lot of stuff going on. Like I was a personal trainer for years and you realize that people have a ton of different complexity to their life and, and you're trying to work with them on their nutrition and whatnot. But if you don't understand those things, it's hard to navigate. That's why I think you need to be pretty adaptable. And with that, like the main thing that I saw was like when I got really into learning about um, like functional stuff and like fixing things, um, I'm not a functional coach. I don't ever claim to be, but I know a lot of stuff. Um, But that's where I found like there was just camps of like, no, you have to do it this way. You have to do this, this way. You have to do this, this way. But it all got to the same place. Mm-hmm. And I was just trying to figure out, well, you know, maybe that works better for somebody, but maybe this one's better for somebody else. And that's why, like, when it comes to me writing things out for people, I've never, like, given the same, like, functional, like, I guess, protocol, you could say, to this different people, because are they actually going to be adherent to take 15 pills a day, Right. Or this guy might be, this girl might not be, right? So, and that's where I, I, um, I've always said, like, there's more the one way to skin a cat because we have to figure out what's perfect for that person, right? But I'm very, I've had a lot of experience with a lot of people. So if you don't have that, it's hard to understand, like, why they're not able to follow something. That's why I think, like, you know, getting, talking to people, getting out there, learning more about your clients is important because then you can really kind of hone in on like what's going on in their day-to-day life. Yeah, very true. So uh, side piece here. So I am in Dom's uh, group mentorship and we were doing some functional health pieces. And one thing we were going through is gut health, obviously. And we were talking about um, use the use of antibiotics. And you would say like a lot of, you know, really high end functional health coaches would be like, Hey, like antibiotics typically aren't the way to go. But when one thing that you said to me that stuck out a lot is like, Hey, like, if the client, if that's going to be easier for the client to take those antibiotics for a shorter period of time, rather than going through like a 10 month, like gut healing thing, like maybe that's the route to go. Because if the client, like you said, is not going to be able to adhere to taking 15 pills a day to being extremely low FODMAP, and it's going to create more stress, then the outcome's not going to be like what anybody wants, right? They're just going to feel more of a failure. It's, their gut's probably going to get worse. So I think in that aspect or that avenue is like, you know, really lining with the, there's more way more than one way to skin a cat because you have to, again, always go with like what the client needs, what's the obtainable for the client and what's going to be the most beneficial for the client. Yeah. Yeah. I like that perspective a lot. I think it's really important, especially like newer coaches, I feel like are a little bit more relatable to their athletes and like higher caliber coaches, because obviously when you get to a certain level of success, that does come with a certain level of wealth and you have to like some extent hire things out and, you know, like become a little bit more, you know, selfish with your time. So you're not going to be able to like go grocery shopping or to mow your lawn. But right now, like I do have to mow my lawn. I do have to grocery shop. And so like, it's good perspective for newer coaches to, especially if you are leading by example as a bodybuilder to see what it's like to structure your life. So you understand what you're asking your athlete to do and kind of like, again, being in the trenches with them. It's like, I don't have the luxury to pay someone right now to mow my third of a acre yard. So I have to fucking take time out of my week and get my 
fat ass with behind my little push mower and mow my lawn. And I have to go grocery shopping at Costco and I live in Charleston. So I have to like go across to another fucking peninsula for that, you know? And it's like making sure I structure my time. So I am understanding like what I'm asking my athletes to do if I, if they are training, you know, four days a week or they have to go grocery shopping or spending time with their family. It's like having that relatability as well, I think is really important versus trying to shove them into a box for like a flush protocol or something like that for the sheer sake of what using a discount code. Like, I don't think that's, you know, necessarily the right call. Yeah. I think, um, I think like, you know, and even away from the functional stuff, when you look at like preps and bodybuilding and uh, even drug protocols, right. There's not one be all like kind of way to do it. And, and there's people who think there is um, even like, uh, like I have multiple people in prep right now. Like, is it, are they using similar compounds? Yes. But are their cycles the same? Absolutely not. Like, you know, are, am I, uh, I'm a big fan of like carb cycling, you know, are they all carb cycling? Yes, but they're all carb cycling to some different degree, right? Maybe this guy's eating a little bit more because of the way he looks. Maybe this guy's eating a little bit less because of the way he looks, but it's just, uh, it's just interesting because there are people who are like really so married to one idea that like once the athletes like, Hey man, I don't know if this is working. Or I just don't, it turns into, well, I'm the coach, you know, you should just do what I tell you to do. Um, but I just, uh, I think as if you want to really be a really good coach, you have to have an open mind to different roads. You can't just follow one road the whole entire way, because eventually, eventually you'll end up working with a very small amount of people and you actually might not even have the best reputation at the end of the day, because like, I think a lot of important thing, I think one of the most important things as a coach is, is growing your reputation at the same time. And if growing your reputation is going to bring you more clients, going to bring you more credibility, right? What does credibility mean? Right. That's evidence. He knows what he's talking about. He knows what he's doing. There's a lot of good work going on. So that's something that I think like you have to keep in mind and why you need to keep an open mind when you're learning new stuff, when you're trying to do new things. Um, Because like, like I said, I've learned a lot and I've, experienced a lot of different protocols and it's like there's so many different ways to get to the same place but why are so many people just so focused on just their one way then you have to follow the money though and when you follow the money you find out why yep Mm -hmm. i think it's i to add on to what you're saying i i have found it to be very helpful to invest in multiple mentorships. So for background, I have mentored with Austin Stout. He's still my mentor. I've mentored with Jeffrey Sue. I have taken classes by Jason Theobald. I have taken classes by Phil Viz, right? These are very high caliber top tier coaches. I also listen to podcasts with you, with Cameron, Matt. Like I listen to all these different like mindsets and methodologies because you each have your own take on something. And although there is a lot of quality overlapping information it's still unique to that coach and that's really been impactful for me in my coaching because it helps me to see you know a broader picture of again there's multiple ways to get to the right answer and multiple tools in the toolbox so if anything it's made me a stronger coach a better coach because I can take these coaches who are much more skilled than me that have much more experience and can implement that with my own athletes because I'm able to again like fit this athlete with this lifestyle, their current situation and do things this way, which is going to be helpful to them because you guys have already done it. And although everyone's unique and everyone has, you know, a different lifestyle, different body, different life, there are still like similar patterns. And I think that's important to acknowledge and kind of look for those patterns as a coach when it comes to 
the physiology and also the psychology of the athlete and how you can coach them to success. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, but you know, one thing to add to, I don't think any, I, I wouldn't, I think when a newer coach is like up and coming and they're learning a lot of stuff, I don't necessarily think it's a lack of skill anymore. I think it's just a lack of experience, right? Because we can look at some of these higher end coaches, their knowledge base might not even be the best, but it's just that their experience level is so high that they've had so many trial and error like runs that they've found what really works for them. So I think a lot of it comes down to just having experience with multiple different people. And a lot of people, you know, have different walks of life. And the more, the more exposure you get to working with those people, I think that's where you see the development of, you know, multiple ways of thinking towards just like a single problem. Yeah, the application is key. One thing I do want to want to hear you about is, um, you know, you said um, there's going to like a, being a good coach is adaptable, right? So even with the same athlete, though, like no two preps is, is ever going to be the same as well. So touch base on that, too, like having that, you know, turning point with an athlete who's like, hey, like this last prep went like this. Like, do you think there's a lot of coaches that could be like, OK, we did everything this way last prep. We're going to do the same exact thing, even though it might not be working. Yeah, um, there probably is, especially when you're working with an athlete for a couple of years. <laughs> a lot of my athletes have been with me for years and I can what I like to do is like, I like to start a prep a certain way um, mm -hmm. where like, you know, like hopefully I've had you for an off season, we've built your calories up and I like to start a prep pretty aggressively, like right out the gate and pull pretty hard. So that's something that I'll do still, but then it's like within the prep, you know, maybe they start responding to a drug differently than they did the time before. Um, maybe they aren't responding to the cardio amount that we got away with last time. Um, I recently like had a client um, come to me and he was like, uh, he actually left me. Um, so he was, he said to me, oh man, this just isn't the same as last time. And I was, you know, I had to explain to him like, I understand that, but you know, last time we worked together, you were 40 pounds leaner. You weren't, you know, uh, really, really deep into off season when you came to me. I was like, of course, this prep is going to be different. You have ample amount of body fat that you didn't have the last time we prepped together. Um, but whatever, it it didn't. He ended up leaving, going to somebody else. But um, even the from an athlete's perspective, like sometimes they get stuck in like, well, this worked last time. Why isn't it working this time? And I think even for the athletes that listen to this, they need to realize that if you're working with your coach for multiple shows, there's a high probability that it's not going to be the same the second time you do it with them, the third time you do it with them, because your body just have adapted so much. Hopefully you've put on a lot of muscle. Now the whole system's changed, right? Like your metabolic rates changed. Maybe your blood work's gotten worse. Maybe your blood work's gotten better, right? Things could definitely play a role um, into that. So I always try to just tell people like, you know, prep's not going to be the same as it was last time. And you know, my people have a good grasp on that probably just because of how long we've all been working together. Um, but uh, that is something that I usually have a conversation about, like before the prep starts, like, hey, like, yes, we did all these things last time. Do I think it's replicatable this time? Probably not. And as a coach, too, you're you should be you should be learning more and more. Uh, your your preps shouldn't be running exactly the same anymore, technically. Mm hmm. Right. Absolutely. I love that you said that because I'm actually, I have two um, athletes that are first time competitors. And whenever I get a first time athlete, if they're willing to work with me long term, what I like to do is take them through 
you know, a growth phase and let them like see how their body responds to putting on muscle, putting on body fat, how they mentally handle putting on muscle, putting on body fat, seeing the scale go up, getting a little bit uncomfortable. And then also putting them through like a dieting phase where we do get them not contest level lean, but still lean enough to set us up for either another growth phase or holding phase or whatever, because I want to learn their body. I want to learn their mind and they need to learn themselves so we can develop, you know, a coach client relationship that is, you know, working together, not against one another. And I find that although their contest preps are not going to be obviously as similar and there are going to be differences and little nuances, it does help to develop and kind of notice those trends. And especially when like we see the items pop up that we either weren't expecting or that it was just a curveball, we're able to learn together for their success, which is just data as a coach and also data as an athlete for you know future contest preps future uh, future growth phases especially if you are using like drugs so you can kind of start like that cycle mapping so i love that you mentioned that sure i uh, i like that um i like that uh bit about there about having them learn themselves like and finding what they can handle mentally because there's a lot of people i've worked with that like wanted to prep you know and honestly like i just purposely will put them through a fat loss phase, see how far they can get. And then once they realize this just isn't for them, like, guess what? I just saved you thousands of dollars. I just saved you a headache. I just saved you all this misery because, you know, unfortunately, maybe just you don't have the mental fortitude to do a prep right now. Maybe you'll grow into that or maybe you never will, right? It's not, that's not the end of the world. Like, you know, contest prep isn't something that every person in the gym has to do. I think that's what contest prep has turned into, right? You work out for a couple of years and then it's when you're doing your first show, right? Yeah. You don't have to do a show if you're just working out. You can, it's okay to work out. Yeah, no, I, I agree with that 100%. And yeah, like it, it definitely is like, we, we all know that, you know, it's, it's a huge mental component for, for prep as well. But even in like the off season, like you were talking about Ash too, like, it's just really learning yourself. Like for me personally, this is the heaviest I've ever been, but also the most amount of muscle I've had. And, you know, this experience for me has been vastly different than with any other coach I've ever been working with. Um, the coaches I've worked with in the past was like, we were trying to grow while staying lean at the same time. Right? Um, you know, and that just wasn't getting me the results I wanted. Um, that works for some people. It just didn't work for me. Um, granted I have other health issues as well, but yeah, I think it is really, really important about, you know, learning, learning yourself and the, and the mental um, component of, of the athlete of the client too. Yeah, whenever I was like in an off season, like personally, or even when I get guys uh, who get really, really soft during the off season, I always tell them like, I want you to remember that you've been in tip top shape before. So you have the capability to get back there, you know, so whenever they start like mentally kind of getting like, you know, maybe a little down about how they look or how they feel like just the softness that they're bringing on. I always like to remind them just every once in a while, like, hey, man, you've been inside out shredded there's no reason why we can't lose weight right you have that mental switch and lose weight not even prep again like we can we can get you back there you know when the time comes and that usually calms them down it kind of settles their their um mentality down about it all yeah 
Was there ever a point in your career, Don, where you were kind of just doing the same shit for everybody else? Or, if you, or have you always been someone who's been like really adaptable, always doing different things? Or was there a point, like even when you first started where you're like, shit, like I know this works, like let's do this. To be, I'm sure there was. I, I probably can't, re- I can't remember, but I'm sure there was like in the beginning where I was like the, you know, do your cardio, like fasted or post-workout. Everyone's got to do it. Like I just <laughs> always do that. Um, for a while, I'd say one thing that was really common with me was I absolutely never gave a cheat meal, like ever, <laughs> like, <laughs> and, uh, that was like, that was like, I, I would hear through the grapevine. That's why people, some people wouldn't work with me because they heard that I would not give cheat meals. Um, that was something that I kind of stuck to my guns at for a while. So I guess, yeah, there are some things that I would make sure I always did, but now it's very, very different. Um, just so much like. I'll put the most random foods in somebody's plan just because I know they'll follow the damn diet. Like, you know, and that's something that I think a lot of coaches end up getting stuck on with like, um, you know, certain foods they have to eat meal timing, like things like that. Um, where I'm pretty loose with those kind of parameters. Can you give us an example? I'm just curious. I want to know what foods that you put in there that most coaches would be like, the fuck. The ho ho, he puts ho hos in there. No, 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 I don't put ho hos <laughs> in there. But like, I put like really random, like, uh, like bars that like people found at Target that wanted to eat out of the like refrigerated aisle. Like, they just like the way they tasted. Um, you know, I've put things like, uh, I mean, Rice Krispie treats, cereals, things like that are normal. A lot of people use those now. Um, mm-hmm. but like, as far as like even like putting like breakfast bacon or breakfast sausage in people's meal plans, like. I've done a lot of that. And, you know, sometimes people are like, that's, is that even healthy to be eating that? Like we get into those kind of talks and arguments, right? Um, I put a lot of cheese in people's plans if they want it. I put a lot of, you know, I I really work with people on whatever they want to eat. Um, and I try to make it work as long as I can make it kind of make sense for them. Yeah. Yeah. I do something like very samey. Like I'm a big fan of rice cake or rice crispy treats. Like I'm unfortunately one of those very like adaptive competitors, even though I'm bikini, like we're six weeks into my reverse and my carbs are already over 350 on training days. And it's like, if I want to keep my waist small, that 350 grams of carbs can't all be from white rice. I'm sorry. It's not. So I use a lot of Gatorade. I use rice crispy treats. That's it bars. Um, fucking the black forest gummy bears that you get from Costco. Like I'm a big Costco whore. So like whatever I need to do, I'll do to not only yes, be healthy, but then also like keeping digestion in check. So therefore I can grow a little bit longer and not run into so much like gut dysbiosis when we're having to push food even higher for me later into my, my off season. But I love that you are like, yeah, I'm flexible with stuff like that because at the end of the day, you have to do what's sustainable for the athlete. So you can get the most amount of growth out of like their growing phase or, you know, most out of like a contest prep dieting phase. And obviously food selection is a big component of that. Yeah. Yeah. Like I'll use, like, like you said, like when food gets pretty high, I'll use things like um, maple syrup, agave mm-hmm. syrup, you know, honey, uh, jellies, jams. Like, I mean, I also try to look at it like, bro, like if I was eating this, I'd want it to make it like taste good. Right. Like I don't want to eat chicken and 500 grams of rice. <laughs> oh, I'm a big fan no. of dried fruit. I use dried fruit with a lot of people, mm-hmm. um, just like dried mangoes, dried uh, banana chips, dried apples, things like that. Cause they're just so small, so much food, like so much impact, like calorie wise too. 
Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. No, this has been absolutely phenomenal to kind of like talk to you, get to know you and kind of like hear your thought process and methodology. But Ash, do you have any like final questions or final conversation starters that you want to ask Dom while we have them? Um, I do have one more question. I just want to know your thought process on, I guess, like, where do you see, um, I don't, I don't know if I want to say like, if there's like lack of, of retention or like client satisfaction, but coaches that only do like one, one way, like, do you think there's a lot of clients that, that stay with them? Do you think the results are as good? Like, what's your mindset on that? Since you are really big on doing, you know, things through, you know, many different avenues. Um, I think, uh, I think they have their niche of people that enjoy that. Like there's definitely like those types of people that even I'm sure we've all coached where they're just like, I just want chicken and rice four times a day, make it as easy as possible for me. Right. I definitely think they have that niche of people, but I do also think like when it comes down to like a prep situation, I think athletes probably could look a little bit better if you had a little bit more of an open approach Um, especially if they're so married to just like one drug way, right? This comes in at this a week's out. This comes in at this week's out. We do this at, you know, but it's like that for every person. I think that's an opportunity to like, maybe, you know, work a little bit different of a drug protocol and see kind of what works better for the person. Right. Um, you know, like there's drugs I could, there's drugs that I could take and, I wouldn't look the best, but they're common contest prep drugs, right? So it's like, if you're just so married to that, just one idea, I think there are opportunities for that. Peaking people, a lot of people have just like one style of peaking where it's like, dude, they could print a damn piece of paper out Sunday night and give it to the person and say, here's your plan for the whole week. Like there's people like that, right? Imagine how much better your athlete could look if you took a little bit of time. Now, do I, do you have to weigh every gram of potassium and sodium? No, I'm not saying that, but if you took a little bit of time to have a little bit more of an open approach, I'm sure your athletes would end up looking better too. Mm-hmm. That's what yeah. my peak week was. It was a PDF sent on, it wasn't even Sunday night. It was Monday morning at like 3am. So like, that was like, you know, how my, my peak was taken seriously. It was like, oh my God, I couldn't even get a Sunday night. I had to be sent at fucking three in the goddamn morning on Monday. I mean, that's common though. A lot of people do peaks like that. Mm-hmm. That's how my first one was. It was, yeah, I think I got it like the Saturday before show. And then it was like, follow this, send me pictures on Friday. Send me like, pictures on Friday. Yeah. <laughs> show. It, was like, it was like, send me pictures on Friday and we'll um, determine how many carbs on Friday you'll have yeah. that. That's what it was. No, see, like, that's where, that's where I think like, that's that one way thinking that, you know, those those athletes probably could look a lot better but in my opinion there's coaches who are trophy hunting and there's coaches who want to make a name for themselves right yeah. and there there's your difference between the two yeah that's a really good absolutely absolutely dom thank you so much for taking time to come on our podcast um where can people find you in terms of coaching or maybe a little bit more about your group mentorship because i know you offering that and have some spots open Oh yeah. So, um, I, you could follow me on Instagram. It's just underscore Dom Kuza. Uh, all my coaching stuff is on camp Jansen's website. Um, you can find me there underneath like the coaches tab. Uh, and then, yeah, so I'll probably be starting another group mentorship, uh, in the fall. Um, it will just be like an evening weekday night. We go through like somewhere between 12 to 16 weeks of, um, like a curriculum based, uh, you know, uh, physiology, 
communication with athletes, co confident coaching, learning how to build a better mindset, training program design, nutrition design. Uh, so we go over all of those kind of topics and uh, I'll probably do another one of those in the fall. Yeah, it's, I awesome. think it's really worth it too. Like I, like I said, I did it. And then um, I think Dom lectures for usually anywhere from like 30 to 40 minutes. And then like the last 20 minutes of it is just open Q&A and you can ask literally whatever the hell you want. So, yep. Awesome. Well, expect me to slide into your DMs on that because you were one of the mentors that I had kind of like on my my watch list. So that's something that I I've been like saving that. up for. Yeah, of course. So like I said, like it is so good to have different perspectives. And even though I'm always going to have Austin Stout as a mentor, like I still want to learn from other individuals because, you know, there's just, I guess like the whole fucking point of this podcast, there's more than one way to skin a cat. So um, I'll be looking, looking, look for me in, in fall when you uh, post that. But Dom, again, thank you so much for your time. And We'll have to have you back on some, some sure. other time to whenever the shit. Thank you. Awesome. All right. See you guys until next time. Peace. Adios.